Well, it's good to see you this morning. We are heading for our big outreach service next Saturday, all right? So don't forget that. And as Judy talked about, if you have not signed up, please do that. So we're kind of in a gap here. I'm getting ready for the book of Esther and getting pumped about preaching through the book of Esther. And uh, so hopefully you can just kind of gradually go back between now and a couple of weeks, go back to uh, reading the book of Esther and get some ideas of what it's about. And then you'll have a, a lot more understanding of it when we get into that. Then, uh, so today we're preaching, you know, every time I get a little opening between series, I like to stick in these kind of messages. Look at your notes there. How to strengthen your marriage. Isn't that good? Are you excited about the message? Huh? Are you just tired of relationships? Huh? Now be careful. Your wife is sitting, possibly, if you're married, your wife is sitting next to you or your, your uh, other half. So, but I'm excited about the message this morning. But next Sunday, it will be on the gospel. Uh, literally, uh, the gospel, the Bible says, uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So next Sunday, we're going to talk about the gospel. And a lot of visitors will be here. And we're just going to preach the gospel. But some of those seeds, they literally find lodging in hearts. Okay? Because it's so powerful. Nothing, we, we, if we just get them here, I mean, God does the transforming. Uh, Jess is back in the back. Am I right, Aaron? She's, she, she just invited a family here a few months ago, all right? And the family came, and the family was listening to the message of the gospel, and guess what? Right up here. You guys raise your hand. They got saved. Jess invited all these guys, and they, they got saved. I mean, and of course, they got baptized, but the, the point is, if they get under the sound of the gospel, God does what he's supposed to. Amen? We just, we just get out of the way and let God do his work. Okay, so keeping marriages strong. <laughs> I like preaching on relationships. Amen? It's just the greatest thing in the world. Who is this message for? Well, of course, it's for married people. Okay, look, everybody's pointing at each other. What's the deal? I see all these fingers doing this. Uh, Journey, I didn't see yours. You're, you're fine. But it's for married people. It's for married people that are struggling in their relationship. It's for married people that have a solid relationship. Normally, the husband says, hey, we've got a solid relationship. And over here, the woman says, uh-uh. I mean, that's normal. So, uh, so it's, for, it's for that. Those, it's, it's for the person that's sitting there and, and they're... they're friend is next to him and and if you want to get married it's for you you know and if you're hoping that they'll ask you know let's just pray that god calls out their name out loud from the pulpit Corey. i mean i mean i didn't mean to do that i I didn't mean that okay it's for you all right where's Corey at Corey! I think that was the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen? amen. Um, it's for, the, for, for you that uh, um, aren't married but want to be and uh, are young people that know people that are married. In other words, it's for all of us. Okay? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verse 4, it says this, that uh, marriage 
should be honored. Hey, Corey, how you doing? Marriage should be honored <laughs> by all people. <laughs> he, he likes being lower down here so you can't see him when he's playing the drums. So, All right, so it's, it's for everybody. Now, let's look at, do you have that verse on there? Hebrews 13, 4. Let's look at this verse. And it, it says, let marriage be honor, honored among all. Basically, among all people. The word honored there literally means valued. It means esteemed. It literally means precious. These are the words I got from the Greek, uh, Hebrew, or the Greek uh, dictionary. But I like this. It's priceless. That's what I had. It, marriage is priceless. Okay, it's valued. It's highly esteemed. Now, listen carefully what the Institute of American Values had to say about esteeming marriage. Okay, they say this. When a marriage is honored by the culture. Okay, listen. When marriage is honored by the culture, several things happen. Number one, it increases the likelihood that mom and dad will have a great relationship with their children. In other words, if you're in a society, a culture that values marriage, then kids are going to have great relationships with their mom and dad. The problem is we don't have a culture that really esteems and values marriage as it should. But guess what? In real life, church, we steam marriage. It's priceless. It's valuable. Okay? Two of the things that we really, as a new church, we want to get really going great in is the children's ministry as God begins to put people in the right places and then, and then marriages. We want, we want a great ministry for children, a great ministry for marriage. All right, we, we want that. Okay, so, so Institute of American Values says that when marriage is honored, they have a great relationship mom, with mom and dad. Number two, it decreases poverty among children and mothers. Number three, it increases children that will graduate with a good work ethic and have a great job. It reduces alcohol and drug addiction and abuse. In other words, when the culture values marriage, it reduces drug and alcohol addiction and abuse. It lowers teen suicide. When the culture values marriage and they lift it up, and something to be priceless, honored, okay, then it lowers teen suicide. I like that, don't you? It lowers the risk of children or child abuse. Now, we look at marriage from the biblical perspective. And the Bible definition of marriage is one man, one woman for what? One lifetime. You've heard that from me before, and you'll keep hearing it from me, all right? One, mar- one woman, one man for one lifetime. And it doesn't matter if you've been married for, f- if you've been married five times, you've been married once. Hopefully, the goal is when you get out to your car after church and you get in your car, hopefully you look over and say, you're stuck with me. It's done. Woman, man, whatever, spouse, honey, baby. Hopefully you have a name for your your wife or your husband, right? You say, you're stuck with me. Come death, do us part, you're stuck. Hopefully you have that attitude when you go out to your car. Let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 19. Look what it says here. Verse 8. This is what we're talking about. Jesus said to them, what happened was Jesus was, was preaching and, and the, 
the Pharisees came to him again, trying to trick him, trying to catch him. And they said, why did Moses allow divorce in the Old Testament to put away the wife? Look what it says. Jesus said to them, because of the hardness of your heart. In other words, divorce was allowed in the Old Testament because of the hardness of the people's heart. Moses allowed it. But notice what it says. But from the beginning, it was not so. (laughs) From the beginning, it just wasn't the way. So I want to go back to the Old Testament in the very beginning. And let's look at marriage. Go back to Genesis chapter 2 with me. Genesis chapter 2. Look at verse 15 to begin with. And of course, we have some of these verses on the screen. Verse 15, the Bible says this, And the Lord took the man and put him in the garden to work, work it and to keep it. Okay, so he stuck him in the garden. Then found in verse 18, God said, Wait a minute. It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him. Now notice what it says. I will make him a help me. So God says, you know, I don't like the fact that you're here all alone. You're doing all this stuff. I'm going to make you a help me. And so what happened as we go verse 19 and verse 20, what happens is God begins to, from the ground, begins to create animals. Now notice what God said. I'm going to make for you a helpmate. The next thing he does is he creates animals. So God creates these animals from the dust of the earth, and he brings them to Adam to see what he would name him. But remember what God told Adam? I'm going to make you a helpmate. So what Adam was doing as he was naming these names, he was looking for that what? That helpmate. It says that in verse 20. At the end of verse 20, verse 21, it says, but there was, no, there was not found a helpmate for Adam. So Adam, because it says was not found, he was looking. So as God was bringing these animals, he was looking, okay, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? And it was not. So then finally, God brought Adam or Eve to Adam. First precession, first marriage. Hitting me cool, God walking. God walked Eve down the aisle and presented her to Adam. Isn't that cool? First, first wedding. And so Adam, you know, he sees all these animals, but then he finally sees Eve. You know, we would say, whoa, baby. He says, whoa, man. Whoa, man. See, everybody thought that was her name, woman, but it was whoa, man. He was excited. I mean, I've never seen anything like this before. And then the Bible goes on and talks about Therefore, man should leave his father and leave his mother, and the two shall become one flesh. Okay, that's how it was in the beginning. That's how it's supposed to be. Leave the mother, leave the father, come together and become one flesh. One woman, one man for one lifetime. All right, that's how it's supposed to be. So let's talk this morning about strengthening marriage. Look at your notes. We're going to look at three very simple points. Very simple. But before we do, let me read this email to you. This is all too common. I have done hundreds of weddings in my 30-some-odd years. Well, that's only probably 15, but that's evangelistically speaking. Um, So anyway, over the 30-some-plus years of ministry, I've married, I've done many weddings, okay? Tons of weddings. Listen to this email. It's, it's, It's common. When I first fell in love with my husband, I was sure, absolutely sure, that he was the right person for me. But after the years, but over the years, as we've lived together through a lot of messy situations, I've seen many sides of my husband that I don't like. My feelings towards him have turned out, I have turned from respect and attraction to disappointment and even 
sometimes disgust. I now feel like maybe I married the wrong person. Why do I feel this way and what can I do about it? Something has to change. And the problem is most people feel this way after a few years of marriage, but they don't get any help. Churches are the place to find because they are pro-marriage. The philosophy of the world is not, but in churches, this is where you find biblical principles to live by. The world makes fun of people that are walking down the hall holding hands and husband leaning over kissing his wife in public. People make fun of that, but it's not funny. It's powerful. When a man loves a woman. That's a song, isn't it? Okay, I can sing. All right, so let's get into this. Number one, how can we just kind of cut this off and, and save marriages? Number one, just simple stuff. Pay attention to your spouse. Simple. Pay attention. Attention means love. One of the most loving things that a person can do is give their attention to you. Attention. When you give your attention to somebody, you're saying, I value you, you matter, you're worth listening to. Now, I've done, I I love to do marriage counseling. But what I have to do, because I'm a man, is I have to really say it over and 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 over to the man about paying attention to the spouse and some of these things because the wife wants the husband to put her first. Can I say amen? They want to be number one. The husband, somehow it gets translated differently in the brain of the man. I don't know why. It just, it's scrambled. And the wife are saying, yeah, I, I see you shaking your head and the man are going, Okay. I mean, it's a reality. All right. Men are a little harder headed at this point. Okay. So we've got to get this. Giving somebody your attention is giving away your life. You're, you're, giving, you're giving time and attention away that you're never going to get back. So really, you're giving your life. And that is valuable. And, and one of the uh, uh, most dangerous things you can do is pull that back and not give your spouse attention. See, what happens over time, is just natural, is at first, it's all about your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Over time, the tendency is not to give them more time, more attention. The tendency is what? To give them less. Because there's other things that distract us. Bills. Babies, budgets, ministry, work. I mean, you name it. There's so many hobbies, sports. There's so many things that go on that literally cause our attention to be distracted. But listen, if that continues and it doesn't stop, it brings the marriage to deterioration. Okay? you, You will be one of those old couples, those saints, those like me. Okay? Been married for a long time. And you, you, I mean, you want to get there, but you still want to be in love, amen? But you, you, you get to that place where you're one of those old saints that just, go, and you go to bed, and you get in bed, and boop, you turn your heads to the opposite side, and then you're out. 
Sometimes you get those, those queen beds that they're so big that you never even see each other. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's not what we want. I mean, marriage, I mean, you should, cuddling. What do they call that now? Spooning? I don't know what they call it, the new term. It's, it's cuddle. All right. Smoochy, smoochy. All right. Give you an example. There's this old couple that went to bed. Boom, boom, and they're out. Almost the wife is, she's out. She's almost sleeping. All of a sudden, she feels this hand brush across her face in this nice, gentle way, and her eyes go, ooh. And then around the back of the neck, all of a sudden, she's smiling down across her shoulder to the lower of her back, just gentle, and then back up to her shoulders. And she's I like this, I like this. All of a sudden, go back to the middle of the back, nice, and then it stops. She goes, why'd you stop? He goes, huh? Why'd you stop? Oh, I found the remote. (laughs) We don't want to get there. Can I hear an amen? That's not where we want to (laughs) be. Some of you are already there. (laughs) All right. right. Show your spouse attention. So what I want to do in a real practical way... (laughs) Uh, Waylon really got into that. He, he, he really enjoyed that. I want to give you some practical, practical things that will help you. Now, on a serious note, you already know, most of you already know, seven years of our first marriage was really, really, really rocky, really rough. And she came to me, or we were just driving down the road, and she said, if this is what marriage is, I don't want a part of it. After four kids. Okay, why? Because we first got married, work was number one. And I admit it, after a while, school, full-time college, was number one. And then third, my church was number one. She was somewhere down the list, but she wasn't number one, ever. So when she said that, it wasn't like she was going to leave me or anything, but when she said that, it, 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 it did something in my heart because I grew up in a, in, you know, my mom was married five times, none of them were my dad, you know, and I see, I, I didn't want any of that junk that went on in that stuff, and so I vowed to God I'd change. So I started studying. I started reading all these books, and I came up with some things that could turn that around. So I'm going to give you some some hints this morning. I have, if you'll notice on your notes, I have seven, seven ways that you can pay attention to your spouse. Men, seven ways you can pay attention to your wife. Women, I have three ways you can pay attention to your husband. (laughs) It's obvious why there's seven and three. Amen? <laughs> All right. You can, you can show, number one, you can, now I have, I have, literally, I have 15 things I just jotted down Thursday. 15 of them. But I'm only going to give you seven because we don't have time for all these. Okay? But if you, these, all these are, seriously, all they are is to get you men to thinking out of your box. These are things your wife needs. You think, well, your wife needs what you need. Uh-uh. Do you hear that? You think in your brain, your wife needs the same thing you need. That's what you think. It doesn't work that way. Women think differently from men. Men, you'll never understand. 
And it's not for you to understand. It's, it's for you to know how they think. Not to understand it, because you will never understand it. Because you and me, we think rational. <laughs> we, we think normal. Now, you ask a woman, they'll think, no, they think rationally. And they do. And we think weird. We're, we're out there, we're way out there, according to them. So the point is, we don't have to understand. We have to know them, study them seriously if you want a great relationship. If you don't, no big deal. Okay, number one, just simple things to do, okay? Men, again, these are just to get you thinking outside the box, come up with your own stuff, whatever. Number one, call her in the middle of the day and tell her you were thinking about her and you love her. Now, Call her in the busiest time of your day so that she knows that she is more valuable than what you're doing. In the busiest time. Put that off and say, honey, I just, I just, we're over here, we're real busy, but I just, I can't stop thinking about you. And I just want you to know how much I love you and appreciate you. Because then all of a sudden they know that, hey, she's more important than whatever you're doing. Number two, turn off the game. They say, that's easy. No, no, turn off the most important game. The one that she knows that you can't wait to watch that soccer game. Uh, who, who here watched soccer? I mean, surely nobody. Oh, one person, two people. Okay, I'm kidding. It's a football season. That's what, that's, let me tell you what happened to me years and years ago. I have three boys first, right? So my boys are, we're watching football, we're playing football, we're playing baseball, we're doing that. So I'm watching football during football season. Couldn't wait to come home after church Sunday morning to watch more of it. My wife cut the cord. Now you say, whoa, that's a strong, that's a strong woman. I praise God. My wife is, my wife is strong. She don't, she's not a pushover, okay? I'm the leader of the home, okay? There's no doubt about that. But it takes work to be the leader. Amen? Because my wife is strong. She, she can keep me where I need to be if I ever get off. All right? So I, praise God for a strong woman. Somebody's saying, hey, yeah. Probably you got a strong woman if you're thinking that. Okay? So I just, I, all I did was cut a, because I was pretty mad. So I just cut and I stuck the two bare wires in the wall to finish my game. Tim, do you remember that? You don't remember that? That's yeah, fine. Of course, the house caught on fire and burned down. No, it didn't. Okay. Just to show her she is one. Okay. Hold her hand as you walk in the grocery store. In other words, touch her in public. Hold her hand as you walk into the grocery store. Hold her hand as you're pushing the cart with her. Hold her hand as you're driving down the road. Hold her hand. Touch her leg. Touch her hair. Touch her. I mean, show her. Touch her affection, especially in front of your kids, all right, and in front of the world. Let them know this, listen, let everyone know this is my world. So she doesn't have any doubt this is my world. Otherwise, if you don't and you're timid, you get the point. All right, next one. Plan a date, but don't tell her the plans. I could just go on forever on this stuff. This is such, this is, this is good. See, normally, well, where do you want to go, honey? Well, I don't care. 
Well, how will go here? No. Well, won't go there? No. Well, honey, whatever you want to do, I'm willing to do it. That's a cop-out. Make some plans. Know your wife. Know what she likes. Come up with a plan. And then surprise her with all the plans. She'll be shocked that you put that much work into it. She will be. She'll be amazed. Of course, something I did back in those early days after the seven years of hell, then there was, I'd, I'd buy her these chocolate, dark chocolate Milky Ways. And I'd, I don't know, four or five of them a week, and I'd hide them in places that, it, that are, are set when she get in her car, and there it is with a little note saying, I love you. You men are saying, oh, that's so gross. That's why I have benefits. Amen. Amen. Being an old man. I've been on this keto diet. She cooks all this keto stuff for me. Who would do that? I don't cook a thing. She, she knows this is important to me because I want to get healthy. And so she wants to do this for me. Guess what? She's cooking all of it. Why? Because she knows she's not. In other words, when I put her number one, guess what happens? A woman is the responder. You're the initiator. I'm sorry, I'm getting to preaching. I'm... Buy those little chocolates. Okay, number six. Give her feet rubs. Give her rub feet. All right? Rub her back. Give her massages. All right? You say, ooh, that's stinky. Well, which one's more important? Her or your preferences? Then make a list of love songs, okay? Make a, li- make a list of love songs. Let me tell you what I did one time. It was Valentine's. So I had these, I think, five to seven songs, and I really worked hard. Songs that said specifically about how much I loved her and the different ways that I love her and the different series scenarios in our, in our life. And I played them for her. And I, after the third one, she sobbed and sobbed and sobbed the rest of the way through the songs. Now, for me, it was like, you know, I just, I mean, it wouldn't touch me like that, but it touched her. Because it was, it was words of a song specifically that I, and I really felt that way for her. All right? And I mean, it reached out and grabbed her. And then when we were done, I reached over and picked her up, and then we waltzed. I don't know how to waltz. We just went in circles. <laughs> Seriously. I, I, that's all I did. And she's sobbing on my shoulder. After six children, 30 years of marriage. I know, you wonder, how long have you been married? It's been 40 years of marriage. This was just about 10 years ago, all right? Oh, you don't think it was five. So the point is, play, have a, have a little romance in your life. Men, adults, we call it wooing, okay? Call it whatever you want to call it, okay? Let her know how you feel deep on it. Don't be this crusty, crusty fella that she has a hard time getting into because she's going she's gonna to find that romance somewhere. She needs that. You get in the drift? She needs that communication. You don't want her to always talk to her girlfriends and, and all of that stuff. You want 
her to be open and know that she's number one. Okay, so I got a song for you. All right, it's a love song. And some of you guys are thinking, oh, here we go. Amen. All right, here it is. Now, this is just a love song I picked out. This is, this is the kind of stuff that she loves. Hear that? I've been waiting for a girl like you to come into my life. Turn it up a little bit. You get that loud, man, it'll get to you. So then you tell her, that's where I was when you came into my life. All of a sudden, you have this romantic song, and she's able to put, she's make the make, be able to make application. How many of you love music? I was listening to a song the other day. I mean, seriously, I, I don't listen to country music, but I'm starting to like it because now it's my old 70s music. Everybody know that? So I've been kind of listening to country lately. And there's this one, one song called, um, You're the Only One That Makes Me Happy. Anybody ever heard it before? So I brought that in. I listen to this. It's fantastic. This is you. If all I had was you, I'd be happy. Man, I went forever on that, didn't I? All right, let's go to the women. We will be on here like two seconds and then we're done. No. Number one. Okay, things that, that you could do, three things that you could do to help your husband know that he's number one. Number one, prioritize his need for intimate relationships. Prioritize. If your husband feels starved for this intimacy, he will physically be frustrated and emotionally frustrated. And he will feel undesirable. But when you make him a priority, he feels he can conquer the world and he's able to put your needs and your desires, number one. And he'll feel respected. Number two. See how quickly we went over that? Number two. Build him up with your words both in public and in private. Nothing worse than you walking in and your wife's over here. This is what he did. I mean, he feels this little. Private and public. Build him. Encourage him. And he'll feel respect. You know, he might be over here talking about you and it's fun. And you're talking about him and it's fun. And you're just going back and forth. But when you get in public, that's diminishing. It's degrading. Number three. Don't try to mother him. Can I say that? Can I say that strong enough? Your husband is not your child. <laughs> the tendency is a mother has this motherly instinct, right? Because usually he behaves like a child, that comes out. Right? And so you need to hold back and refrain from mothering your husband. All right, I just kind of. Is that okay if we did, just went over those things? Now let's get back to the preaching. Amen? All right. Number two, show affection to your spouse. Show affection. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10 says this. Love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. It's easier to fall in love than it is to stay in love. It's easier to fall in love to stay in love. So we have to constantly work on rekindling the fire. One of the books that were so, you know, I'm, I'm talking, 
after those seven years, one of the books I grabbed a hold of, I, I was listening to a radio program. It was called Rekindle. It's probably out of print now. But I'm telling you, it did something to me that I need to work on rekindling the fire, her love in her life. And the number one thing was consistency. Yeah, I could change for a while, but normally what I did, did I, I'd change until she responded correctly and then I'd go back to my old ways. Consistency. This guy was a pro basketball player, wrote this book, and he talked about his wife. She was done. She was done. She'd lay in bed in the morning and he, 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 he got a hold of a book and then he wrote this one. But he got a hold of a book that said the same thing. To rekindle, show to her you changed. And so he, every morning he'd bring, a, he'd bring an orange juice drink to her because she loved orange juice right in the morning. He'd bring it and put it beside her bed. And, and she, she thought this, that it never last. It lasted for 20-some years that he went back and got that orange juice because he had to prove to her that he was going to change. And it literally changed their marriage. And then they traveled all over the country uh, helping basketball uh, uh, teams and preaching on marriage and how to rekindle that fire, stoke that fire in the marriage. But that really did something for me. Because instead of just, okay, I just want to get her back where she's no longer upset with me and then back to the way I was before. I needed to really, really change. And one of the things that we learn from the scripture is in Revelation chapter 2, you might want to write this down, Revelation 2, 4, and 5, Jesus talks about how to rekindle our love for him. Okay? He specifically states, well, let's just read it. But I have something against you that you have abandoned your love that you had for me in the beginning. Look at the next verse. Remember, therefore, that's the first point. Remember, therefore, from which you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or do the works you did at first. If not, I will come and remove your candlestick from a place unless you repent. So, so there's, there's a couple of things. Number one, if you want to rekindle that fire, remember. Remember what you did when you first were dating. Do you remember all that time and energy and effort you put in there? Remember back. In other words, the point is, remember how far you've come and how far you've changed. Remember how you couldn't keep your hands off of them? Just different now, isn't it? Okay? And how all you thought about was them all day long. Okay? And now you barely think of them until they call. Okay? You get the drift. I mean, I mean, because you're so busy wrapped up in this. He said, remember. That's the first thing. Remember how you used to be. And then he says, repent and do the first one. Change your mind. Go back to doing what you did when you first were dating. Those little trinkets that you bought her, just to let her know that you were thinking about her all day long. And you were. You could hardly focus on your work because that's all you thought about was her or your school or whatever it is. And so he says, repent, change your mind. And then he says, repeat it. In other words, just remember where you've fallen, identify it, repent, change your thinking, and then change your action and change your action towards her and towards him. And then repeat it. Go back the way it was and do what you used to do. And that, will rekindle that that love. Number three, give affirmation to your spouse. Give affirmation. 
When you fall in love with somebody, the reason you fall in love with somebody is because they're expressing how much they love you and how much they appreciate you. Your spouse desperately needs affirmation. And I believe one of the God-given duties of a spouse is to be be the husband or the wife's number one fan. Be the number one fan. Be in their corner. Always cheering them on. We we have so many critics nowadays, constantly critics. I mean, even TV. You know, you, you watch the news, and no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, you're being blasted. You say, how's that? Well, because they're blasting your beliefs on this station. And if you believe over here, they're blasting your belief. So you're getting degraded all the time, no matter where you're at. All right? Somebody's degrading you, putting you down, saying your beliefs are stupid. So the spouse, you walk home, the last thing you need is for her or for him to get on you. We need to be affirming how valuable. Let me give you these three things. Affirming how valuable, affirming your value, your, your, your values, um, affirming your strengths, and affirming your differences. Now, what do I mean by differences? Affirming is appreciate the differences. Have fun with your differences. Make fun of each other's differences. My wife and I are like night and day different. You guys like that? Like, my wife is organized. I am a 100% slob, all right? My wife is not just organized. I mean, she's tidy. She's clean. She's a neat freak. I'm not. Okay, not just organized, but I'm not neat. It takes work to make the bed. It takes effort to, to, she hates to do the dishwasher, so it takes effort for me to to get the dishes out of the dishwasher and put them up. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? My wife loves mowing grass. You know why I don't like mowing grass? It's work. How many are like me? You'd rather be watching TV being entertained than working mowing the grass. Is there anybody like me? How many love to work? There's a few of you weird men in here. All right. Now, I like to do what I like to study. I like to get into the Word of God. I like to talk to people about the Bible. I, that's my thing. But, you know, I don't. So celebrate the differences. My wife called me one time. At the very beginning of our marriage, we, we, we moved over on Bradbury. That's when I first went to, to Bible school. She called me on the phone. Got this, I got this new house. I got her a brand new mower. And she goes, okay, I want to mow the grass now, right? So I, she says, where's the gas? Where do I put the gas in? So I said, okay, the gas can's out in the garage here. You know, the gas tank's right on the top. Pour the gas in there, you'll be fine, okay? So about an hour later, she calls back and says, it's smoking, everything's, everything's just all over the grass. It's just smoking, and it's not running anymore. It just, went, it just went berserk. I said, what? I get home, she put the gas in the oil. Now you ask, how is that possible? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. She got a funnel out, and she put gas in the funnel to get to. We still, to this day, have a good time with that. She goes, gets gas in her car. I say, honey, make sure you lift the hood before you put the gas in. We have a good time with that. Make fun of her all the time. She makes fun of me and our differences. When we first bought our first house in Nebraska, it was one of these houses because we couldn't stop having kids, and so we had to get all these ho- this, this house with all these rooms in it. So it was an older house. So one night, when we first got there, we were both laying in bed, almost out. And all of a sudden, we, you know, hear this. 
A few minutes later, she goes, what is that? I don't know, honey. We look around, there's nothing there. So I get up, and all of a sudden, I'm at my doorway, because we, we, my door's here, Dustin's here, Amber's here, and there's this, we have this little stairway, it goes down. All of a sudden, I'm at the doorway, what is going on? And there's this bat comes up the hallway, I mean, right towards the room. I say, honey, it's a bat! And she grabs the blanket and screams and pulls him over. She wraps herself up like a chicken enchilada, you know. She just wraps herself up and leaves me out there because the, she thinks the bat's going to make a nest in her hair. So she leaves me out there for that. So I slam the door real fast and say, Dustin, get your gun. If you're from California, get your basket. And then we got the little bat in the basket and we took it out to the rainforest and we let the bat go. If you're, if you're from Florida, that's what we did. Our California. All right. Our New York. But we're in Nebraska. Get your gun! He only has a BB gun, right? So we wait for a little bit, and the, the bat perches up on the door. We had this great oak work, or oak work, and he's got this, I said, get it! So he's shooting this bat with this BB gun. All right? In our house! It doesn't matter, because I'm not touching it, right? He finally gets it, and it falls over. It doesn't kill it. I mean, it's, it's this little, beam, beam, beam. it's not going to kill it, right? So we take this bat out and we put it outside. Next morning, it's gone, right? So for about a year until summer came, we had problems once a month with this bat, with some bat, all right? So I got pretty good. I'm down there. I get a racket, tennis racket, right? <laughs> this bat, bat's flying around, and I go, wham, and I miss it, and wham. I finally get it. You know, I got pretty good at no one judging them. Bam, that bat goes, boom. Of course, it just stuns them. Again, if you're from California, it just stuns them. So we, we grab the bat, we put it outside, you know, it's always gone in the morning. You know, I think I did over those years, I had one bat, one bat problem. I stun it, it wakes up and goes home in my attic and then comes back. And I bat it, I think that's what happened. Unless there was some little kitty, kitty, kitty in the neighborhood, I don't know. But the point is, I got really good at it, but she would never, matter of fact, she had a bat one time, she would go, runs across the street Tells the neighbor, will you come over and grab this bat? This neighbor comes over with these gloves, welding gloves. <laughs> Have fun with your We talk about that all the time. All right? Have fun with your differences. All right? So, so, so here's the idea. We want to make our marriages, what? Strong. We do. We want to have this strong, solid relationship with each other. And it's not going to happen unless we on purpose do it. You, do, you just don't accidentally wake up and, oh, I have this great marriage. It doesn't happen. Automatically, if you wake up and you just don't do anything, it's going to, di- it's going to go straight down. So we have to on purpose have a great relationship. On purpose. Determine. And then work at it. Work at it. So this morning, I want to have just a, 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 an invitation, okay? If you're married, your relationship is great. If your marriage is not so great, if you want to get married and you want to pray for your future marriage, you want to pray for your future husband, your future wife, we're going to have a, guys, band, if you'll come up. We're going to have a time of where we just come forward 
as a church, and we pray for our relationships with our spouses or our future spouses. All right? A time where we just say, God, I need you. Because we do. Even if you're not married yet, we prayed for every one of our children's spouses. We begged God that they would have relationships that honored God and that really honored each other and valued each other. So this morning, that's what we want to do. I want to pray for you first, and then if you want to come and join me down here at the altar, you're more than welcome to grab your wife, your husband's hand, come down here, just come by yourself. Whatever God leads you to do, you just stay right there. You can get on your knees right where you're at. You can stand up praying, whatever. All right, so let's stand. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to do this together, all right? Father, we come to you, and Father, this is not a joke. This is very, very, very serious. And Father, we pray that you would help all of us to take this serious. And Father, that we would, we would determine that we're going to be the best husband, the best wife that we could possibly be. And Father, I, I, I'm talking about the future marriage, if there are people here that are single. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would just do a marvelous work in our lives, that we would remember, that we would, re- that we would repent, and would repeat. That we'd start doing the things that won us the heart of our spouse in the beginning. And that you help us to put off this phoniness that, oh, that's not a man's thing. That's not a, that's not a real man's thing. Lord, help us to know that that's what real men do. Father, I just pray you'd bless each and every marriage. I pray your Holy Spirit would enter their relationship. And I pray your your Holy Spirit would just exalt each and every one of these marriages. And may they honor and value each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, if you'd like to join me down here just praying with your spouse or praying by yourself, you're more than welcome to. Let's do that as they sing.
Hang on, Matt. A couple of things real quick. Uh, number one, we got a couple of people want to join the church this morning, so we want to have um, Waylon and Waylon back there and his wife here. I want you guys, can you guys quit playing and just come up here? All right. Elena is going to come up here. They're going to come down here at the front. And Josie also, Josie, want to come down here? These three really like real life for some reason. Amen? So they want to be part of this church. So what I want you to do, first, give them a great hand. All right? Give them a great hand. And then I want you to come by and shake their hands, give them hugs. Welcome to the Heartland, or the Heartland, the real life family. Also, on the back table are some of these flyers for next week, right back over there. Grab these and pass them out to people this week and invite them to Saturday's activity, 4.30. It begins right here next Saturday. All right, you're dismissed. Come on by and shake their hands, all right?